the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. All right. We broke down Sam Darnold. Everybody knows about Sam Darnold, but the draft EA, while Sam is important, is much more than just your first-round pick. You know this. A lot of people know this. So we got to dive in to the rest of the one, two, three, four, five other picks that the Jets had in the 2018 draft. That was good math on my part. I know you're giving me the nod of approval. Thank you very much. The other players, round three, Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. Tight end Chris Herndon, Miami cornerback Perry Nickerson, Tulane, Foley Fadukasi, that's a phenomenal name, UConn defensive end, or defensive lineman rather, and then Virginia State running back Trenton Cannon, who Brant Boyer likes very much per Trenton Cannon, because he said special teams coordinator liked me a lot, that's why I'm here, and he had a good feeling. Mike McCagnan said that as well. And I, Mike McCagnan said that, too. I'm sure he likes I think Jets likes fans him. are really going to like Shepard. I, I think he's just got a tremendous story. Raised in Canada, playing a Division II ball. Uh, the only school in Canada that actually plays Division II football uh, against U.S. competition. And then he had to leave school because of financial hardships, and he worked so many different odd jobs, but he never gave up on the dream. And then he got to Fort Hayes State, and he became the first player from Fort Hayes State, drafted in more than three decades. I think he's a phenomenal story, and the Jets think they found great value there. Greens, you were down in Mobile, Alabama, reporting for us during Senior Bowl week, and that guy really flashed the two days he practiced before breaking his hand. We're going to speak to Dane Brugler of NFLDraftScout.com. If you don't know about this, every year Dane comes out with what many people call the draft Bible. He calls it a guide, but it's a Bible. It's 261 pages. It breaks almost everyone down that you could ever imagine. Probably, if you're listening to this, you don't know half the players in the book. We, didn't, I mean, th- this book goes far. He told us in February that the book really flexes its muscles when you're taking a seventh-round tackle out of Wagner. That's a direct quote. You can put that in the book. You what, can check the tape. That's, that's right. what he said. And he's going to be able to provide some analysis on each and every one of Mike McCagnan's draft picks here in but, a, but in a couple moments. But basically, if you missed out on the book this year, yeah. you got to be prepared for next year. He does it in the beginning of April. And everything you want to know about these guys, it's only $10, immediate PDF download. There you have it. Wow. What, more, what more could you ask for? Do the you, millennial generation. Do you have a law degree? Because you do sound, I have a law degree? You sound like you might be in the agent business. Well, you know. <laughs> So, so I'll tell you what. Uh, you never know. Nice job by the Jets um, really addressing the defensive line. That's what stood out for me post-Darnold as far as the yes. 2018 draft is concerned because not only did you get Shepard, but you come back in the sixth round, and a lot of people thought you found great value there in Foley Fantacasi. And then you use your seventh round pick, ship that to Indianapolis, who's become yes. our frequent trading partner of Mike <laughs> McCagnan. That uh, relationship with Chris Bellard is a good one, a strong one from a business sense. And you get a guy in Henry Anderson, who's a former third-round pick, who started 16 games over his first three seasons. And uh, people will ask, well, why was Anderson available? Well, very simply, 
I think it's the scheme. The Colts are moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3, while the Jets' base is more of a 3-4. So maybe he can come in and become a rotational player as well. So the Jets got a lot of changes up front on that defensive line. We know they released Muhammad Wilkerson in the offseason. So these are guys that are going to come in and you figure be part of the rotation. You might have a guy like Nathan Shepard. He could be out there first play night one. Night one, because the Jets open up the NFL season on Monday night in the Motor City. Something LCA, I don't remember who, but someone pointed it out that Mike McKagan in his drafts prior to this year as general manager of the Jets drafted from predominantly larger schools, and this draft features two Division II prospects and Nathan Shepard and then Trenton Cannon, who closed out the 2018 class for the Jets. So it's a, it's a bit of a, the anomaly, but... You know, we're going to get into this with Dan Brugler. He believes that Shepard and Cannon in particular are both players that were, well, Shepard was a value pick and Cannon is someone that could have an impact on special teams immediately. Well, I think Shepard took care of the skeptics with what he did down in Mobile because he played against the big-time division. Will Hernandez, yes. who went in the second round. Yeah, the, the big-time Division One competition and future pros. It's a there. great clip. If you, haven't looked, if, if you haven't looked it up, just look it up. It's phenomenal. Yep. And then uh, Cannon was an interesting pick because all of a sudden the Jets have a, a lot of depth at running back because they added Isaiah Crowell in the offseason, the guy who was productive with the Browns. The ageless Bilal Powell is still going. He had, I believe, again, his best pro season last year. And then um, Eli McGuire's in the mix as well. But, yeah, Cannon will be in the mix from the get as far as being your top return man. Well, I was going to say that past couple seasons, the Jets really have had a revolving door as at the returner position. I mean, if you go back two years ago, Jalen Marshall made the team as an undrafted guy, but he wasn't really a returner. He made it as a receiver, and they plugged him out there. And then after that, you had, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, Nick Marshall, the former Auburn quarterback, was returning kicks that season. And then last year, there was Lucky Whitehead, but he broke his foot. And then you had Ardarius Stewart back there a little bit. And then it ended up being JoJo Natson for the significant part of the second half of the season. Yeah, and the Justice recently waived the aforementioned Nats. And, and another guy we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is, of course, Andre Roberts, a guy, yes. a guy has a well, lot. Well, he, he was brought in this year, yes. Yes, a lot of return experience. So I'm just saying is that we can't give the job to Cannon just yet. Exactly. But the Jets do. And Lucky Whitehead is coming back, too. Yes, the, but the Jets do like his ability back there and his potential as a return man. So... All in all, you know, when you look at this draft class, the Jets didn't have uh, any second-rounders, but you got to give McKagan credit for a couple things, is that he was aggressive by moving up and sending a pair of second-rounders this year. One of those was acquired in the Jermaine Curse for Sheldon Richardson swap before the season opener last year, and the Jets get Sam Darnold without giving up a first-round pick next year. They did give up a second-round pick next year, but they do have their one in 2019. It's funny how things work out sometimes, isn't it? But without further ado, we got to bring in Dane Brugler to break down the Jets' 2018 draft class. All right, EA, let's bring in NFLDraftScout.com's Dane Brugler. Follow him on Twitter at DPBrugler. Dane, everybody that follows the Jets, knows about Sam Darnold. We want to get your take on him as well. But real quickly, 
Let's dive into the third round because you love Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. That's someone that you pegged as a great value get for Mike McCagney. Look and the at Jets. you, Greens. This is a power move. He went right by Sam Darnold <laughs> and right to Shepard, Dane. <laughs> hey, I, I'm okay with that because Shepard, Shepard, I'm, I'm really excited about. Uh, I, and I, I first, uh, I had a scout tip me off about him back in October uh, about this Division II kid is just tearing it up, and so I popped on the tape. And I, I don't care where you play him, nose tackle, outside the offensive tackle, over the B-gap. I mean, he's just dominating Division two competition. And, you know, you kind of said, okay, that's great, but, you know, he's 24 years old. He's you know, playing against inferior competition, no one that's going to be playing at the NFL level. But then he goes to the Senior Bowl, and he looks fantastic. Uh, you know, right from the get-go, he had a nice, a nice week. Uh, unfortunately, it only lasted two practices because he broke his hand. Um, which was unfortunate, but in the two practices we did see him one on ones. He was terrorizing uh, Will Hernandez, uh, the, the Giants' new guard. Uh, he was terrorizing anybody they put in front of him. So Nathan Shepard, I do think there's going to be a little bit of a, a learning curve as he goes from uh, you know Fort Hayes State to the NFL level. Um, this is not a guy who was a big time recruit and you know transferred to Division two and all that. You know, he was a, he's a Canadian native, uh, was a 200-pound linebacker out of high school, uh, you know, kind of had to, you know, find his path to go to Fort Hayes State and develop there. So I'm, I'm eager to see what, uh, what he develops into. Uh, he's a little bit older, he'll turn 25 in October, uh, but I think there's a lot of ability there. Dane, he's a fascinating story. As we know, he started off playing Division II college football in Vancouver, British Columbia, and then he left football for a little bit was working at a plant nursery, doing some construction. Then he started training, never lost the love for football, was doing a 1,000 push-ups a day like my man Ethan Greenberg over here. (laughs) And then, But when I asked Todd Bowles about Nathan Shepard, he kept on coming back to one thing, heavy hands. What can you tell me about this guy's hands? He's a grown man, and (laughs) he plays like it. He's got over 10-inch hands. Well, not only his hands, but his feet. He's very nimble, his lower body. And so that allows him to stay free with his upper body. And he's got those hammer hands where he's going to make it tough for blockers to latch on, control him. He's very aggressive. You see the finishing mentality. I mean, he's a beast. And really, it's, it's funny because I, well, the best part about these prospects and doing and scouting and evaluating for me is the journey that they have to take. And, you know, you laid it out, you know, his background. I went back to his his high school career, and he actually played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast his senior year in high school. <laughs> so this, this guy has been a beast off the field and on the field. It's been fun to watch. What about Chris Herndon, the tight end from Miami? Do you think that was good value there in the fourth round? And maybe when we look back, it was a blessing in disguise for the Jets anyway that the guy suffers a minor knee injury against Pittsburgh has to miss some off-season workouts, and he's still there in the fourth round because what I see from him, Dane, is that production-wise, ascending in terms of receptions each and every year, he looks like more than a willing blocker, and also he is a guy who has some potential making some yards down the field with the ball in his hands. Yeah, no question. And yeah, you mentioned the knee injury. He... Uh... Uh, it was an MCL uh, injury in his left knee. You just hated to see it because he was having such a good senior season, putting himself on the map um, as being one of uh, maybe a top five tight end in this class uh, before the injury. 
Uh, so you hated to see it, but like you said, it, it you know, blessing in disguise for the Jets because they get him uh, on day three in round four. Uh, it, when David Njoku, uh, first rounder to the Browns last year, when he left, that really gave Herndon the chance to step up this past year as a senior, and he did. He was a big part of that offense. You know, Braxton Berrios was the top receiver, but Herndon, he was he was right there in terms of uh, being an option uh, on that offense. And so you saw a lot of bubble screens, a lot of underneath routes, a lot of uh, give him a chance to catch and go, get the ball in his hands, let him create after the catch. My biggest worry with him or my biggest uh, thing I want him to improve is just I need to see a little bit more dog in him. I need to see a little more aggression. And that's uh, finishing uh, as a ball carrier and then as a blocker. He'll get in position. He'll lock up defenders. I just want to see a little more toughness, a little more mean to uh, just be a better finisher. But you like the athletic versatility. I mean, he lined up everywhere on that offense. He was a fullback, played in line, played in the slot, can do a lot of things. He's a fluid route runner. He moves very well for a size. So I think there's a lot to like about Herndon as being just an underneath receiver who can be flexed all over the offense. I want to jump around a little bit. Not too far ahead, but in the sixth round, the Jets had three picks. And with their second pick, they drafted a guy out of UConn with the name Folorunsu Fatu Kasi. And when the Jets, truth be told, when the Jets drafted him, I said, I got to look at Dane's draft Bible. And lo and behold, you had him as your 13th ranked defensive lineman and the Jets got him in the sixth round. What do you like about Fadukasi? Yeah, I, I, he should have been, if not, because I, I, I gave him a third-round grade. So I thought, okay, once we get into the fourth round, it, this is good value. And here the Jets give him a sixth round. I, I, there's so much to like about him. You watch UConn, uh, that, especially on defense, not much to like, except <laughs> when you go up front and you see number 93 just you know, demolishing blockers in his path. Talk about heavy hands with Nathan Shepard. Uh, that's what Fadakasi has, violence in his hands. He can stack, shed the point of attack. He's more of that nose tackle, that one technique who uh, is going to you know, occupy blocks and clog up uh, interior run lanes. But there were times uh, where they'd move him out to more of a three-technique position, let him line up over the gap, and you see some of that quickness where he can get up the field and get into the pocket. And so I, there's uh, Fadakasi, I see uh, position flexibility, nose tackle, three-technique. Uh, I think he could be a fine uh, five technique if you wanted to play him there. He's got long arms. He's a big kid. So there's a lot to like about him. I don't know why he fell in the sixth round. I thought that was one of the reasons why the Jets, uh, and I don't do draft grades, but what I do is I, I pick out my top five favorite draft classes. I go through all 32 teams and pick out my five favorites. And Fadukasi was one of the reasons I put the Jets the second best draft class among all 32 teams this year. What do you make of Perry Nickerson, the cornerback from Tulane? He's a guy who said he played mostly on the outside. A lot of folks are saying that potentially on the pro level now he could make a transition inside. Uh, a fast guy, if he can keep him healthy, what kind of ceiling does Nickerson have? Yeah, he's a little undersized. You know, He's 5'10", 182 pounds, but he's a twitchy athlete. Uh, you see him able to mirror routes off the line of scrimmage. You, you see him able to carry receivers down the field. He's got makeup speed, so when he does uh, lose a step, he's able to make it up and recover. Uh, and he's a four-year starter. You love the ball production. 46 starts in college. He had 47 passes defended. And sometimes stats and college production can be a little misleading. Something that I've found over years and years of doing this, passes defended for defensive backs, that's usually the one stat that I can point to that translates very well. If you're able to get your hands on the ball as a defensive back, 
that translates well to the next level. You're going to be able to do that in the NFL. He had 10 interceptions the last two years, so the production's off the charts. Again, he's just a little undersized, and that'll show against bigger, more physical receivers. That'll show in run support. And so as long as he's able to not allow that to be too much of an issue in the NFL, he's going to be a solid pro. I think probably best in that nickel. He reminds me a lot of uh, Brian Body Calhoun for the Browns, who's carved out a nice little career uh, for himself as a nickel corner up in Cleveland. And then lastly here, Trenton Cannon, the Jets' final pick of the 2018 NFL draft class. Dane, that's someone that on Twitter you said that he was much faster than his competition, and I know that you liked his tape because you tweeted about it right after the Jets selected him. I know that speaking with him, he said that special teams coordinator Bram Boyer really liked him, and in fact he worked him out separately down in Virginia State. So what do you think about Cannon's projection on the next level, not only as a running back but as a returner as well? Yeah, he was just really productive at Virginia State. He he started at Shepard Division II, went, went to Virginia State, finished his career. Uh, you love the production. He averaged over seven yards a carry the last two years. Uh, was uh, a factor as a receiver out of the backfield. And, yeah, like I said, he, he just looks like he's moving at a different speed than everybody else on the field. Not only the short area burst, but then the long speed. And he followed it up at his pro day, ran a 4-4-0 in the 40-yard dash. He had a 38-and-a-half-inch vert, so the testing numbers matches what you see on the tape. Not the biggest guy. I mean, he's 185 pounds, but he's that slashing ball carrier who has the versatility to help you in the passing game and then the versatility to help you on special teams. He averaged over 30 yards per return on kickoff. He had three return scores uh, over the last two years. So he's a guy that's uh, a little bit of a weapon, whether you put him uh, on offense, on special teams. I'm eager to see what he can do. Uh, Again, not the biggest guy, but you just get the ball in his hands. He can make something happen. All right, this is the official Jets podcast. We're talking to Dane Brugler, who knows the draft better than anybody in the United States or probably the world. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dane... um, Four quarterbacks taken in the top ten. Of course, Baker Mayfield goes one to Cleveland. Sam Darnold goes three here to the Jets. The Bills move up and get Josh Allen out of Wyoming at number seven. And then Arizona moves up, takes Josh Rosen out of UCLA, number ten overall. Lamar Jackson was the final quarterback selected in the first round, number 32 overall, to the Baltimore Ravens. Putting you on the spot here, in eight to ten years, who of this group is going to to be above the rest? That's a great question. And I think you could really make a case for several uh, of these of these quarterbacks. Uh, you know, with Lamar Jackson, he's going to an opportunity where uh, he's going to be sitting and learning, and, you know, they'll bring him along at his own pace. But you could say the same thing about with Dartle in New York. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about having a veteran presence like Josh McCown where – you know, in most situations, uh, you add a rookie, a highly drafted rookie to a quarterback room that has an established veteran. That established veteran's not helping the, the rookie because, and I don't blame him. You know, he wants to win the job. He wants to, you know, it's competition. So, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, going to, you know, shun the player, but he's just not going to go out of his way to help him. And I think we saw that. Yeah, that's the, and that's the way Tony Romo was with Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, it's just something that, and I don't blame Tony Romo at all. I, I, he wants to compete for the job. He doesn't want to feel like he's grooming his replacement. But I don't think that's going to be an issue with Josh McCown. I think he's, you know, everyone knows he's the ultimate pro, the ultimate veteran, and I think he will have no issues helping Sam Darnold in the quarterback room and in practice and just, you know, de- 
digesting the playbook and having an understanding of what the offense expects of him and so what it means to be a pro. So Sam Darnold is going to a great situation. Hopefully we don't see him on the field right away, you know, and I think he's going to obviously a situation where that shouldn't be the case. Teddy Bridgewater, McCown, you know, we'll see uh, how that quarterback situation works out. So I think Sam Darnold went into the draft as my top quarterback. I graded him as such. Um, so I would say Sam Darnold, that's where I would lean if we're going to, you know, project this out. Uh, for the future, uh, I think not only Darnold going to a good situation, but I think he's the best quarterback uh, of this group. I think Baker Mayfield, you know, he's right there. I didn't think he was a reach at number one. He, I graded him as a top ten player uh, overall in this draft. So very eager to see what he does in Cleveland, and then Rosen going to uh, Arizona. I wouldn't shock me if he beats out Sam Bradford right away as a rookie uh, as the starter in Week One, and Josh Allen. You know, I'm, I'm a little bullish on him. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, I think he probably has the least amount of competition in his way. You know, A.J. McCarron, uh, you know, is he's a backup quarterback in this league. Um, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see if uh, if they're able to keep Josh Allen on the bench or if they feel like they need to get him some uh, some in-game reps as a rookie. But I w- to answer your question, I, w- I would go back to Darnold. I, I think that not only is he the top quarterback, but uh, I think he is—he's uh, going to a good situation. You know, hopefully, there's some you know coach continuity moving forward. You know, not having to learn multiple playbooks in the next few years, that type of thing. Um, so I would—I would look at the first two quarterbacks drafted, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, so, as maybe having uh, the best uh, for the eight to ten years. Yeah, I really put you on the spot there, but that was a great explanation. <laughs> what? is going to be the most significant part of his transition. Like you said, you think he's going to a good situation. Maybe he's not playing right away, obviously, in week one when the Jets open the season Monday night football against the Detroit Lions in the Motor City. With that being said, uh, I know you like a lot of qualities he brings to the table. What does he have to get better at as he makes this jump from playing on Saturdays to playing on Sundays? I think it's just digesting the playbook and understanding what the offense wants to do. There's going to be so much more verbiage, so much more various different concepts uh, in an NFL playbook compared to what he saw at USC. I know that's what some teams uh, who put him on the whiteboard uh, were surprised just how uh, inexperienced he is, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. Uh, He's a very bright, smart individual, but, you know, it's just in college – the, the number one goal of college uh, offensive coaches is not to prepare you for the NFL. It's to win football games. And so you're going to simplify things. You're going to make things easier on the quarterback so he can do his job. And, you know, Sam Darnold, as a freshman and then as a sophomore, I mean, he's still a young guy. He only started one year as a, a high school uh, quarterback. So, you know, I think there's going to be – it's just going to be diving into the playbook, understanding everything – and then, you know, seeing it uh, perform on the field. And so I think that that's going to be the biggest jump for him. All right, Dan, before we close up shop here on the Officially Does podcast, I just want to circle back to two things. One is we talked about Nathan Shepard and Foley Fadukasi. You like them both. Are they similar in the way they play? You know, how do you think they'd complement each other on the Jets' defensive line? And then a second unrelated question is, of the Jets' picks outside of Darnold, who is someone that you could see making – the most immediate impact of the bunch, whether it's Shepard, Herndon, Nickerson, Foley, or Trenton Cannon? That's a good question. Um, I think with Shepard and Fadakasi, uh Shepard's, uh, I think he's more, I think they're both interchangeable in terms of the different positions they can play. 
I think Shepard's probably more of that because he's a better, just a better athlete. Uh, he can move a lot better. So I think Shepard, um, that versatility that he brings, uh, whether you want to line up inside, outside, I, I think that's really going to be, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, his calling card um, moving forward. And Fado Kasi, I think he's best served uh, on the interior uh, over either over the A gap, over the over the center as the nose, uh, more traditional guy in the middle. Uh, so I, I think Nathan Shepard just has a little bit more versatility because of his skill set. And then if I were to pick one of these day three players who's going to have the most immediate impact, probably look at Nickerson mm. uh, because he's played a lot of football. I mean, he's uh, you know he's not going to be uh, put into a situation where you know he's not going to understand what's going on. And with we, we see so many sub packages now, nickel dime coverages. Uh, you know, all it takes is one injury, uh, and you know he's going to see the field pretty quickly. And you know, like I said about the production that he had at Tulane, 47 passes defended. He had 10 picks just in the last two years. You know, he's a guy that can get his hands on a ball or two. There might be some bumps in the road because of his size, uh, because he is so undersized. But uh, if he has a chance to make a play, he's not going to let that opportunity be wasted. There you have it. Game Brewer. Outstanding. Yeah. And do you already have a big board out for 2019? <laughs> yeah. I've been working on it. Um, you know, that's what they. Uh, it's, it's the worst article I do every year. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, that's what the bosses say I have to do. So it's going to be a, a defensive line heavy draft next year. It's going to be some fun. I'm hearing about a Bosa from Ohio State. It could be a top pick maybe in 2019, huh? Yeah, if you're if you're a betting man, I, Ed, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle from Houston, or Nick Bosa, defensive end from Ohio State. Those are the two clear favorites to possibly be the top pick next year. And both both are deserving. Both are outstanding players. And, 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 and I'm going to get a final one in here. I'm jumping in because you got me excited. The quarterbacks for next year, we always talk about the quarterbacks like this is the last quarterback class. But every year that changes, as you know. And by the time we get to February and we're talking to Dane Brugler at the Combine, uh, there are going to be some hot names out there. And, and the kid from Missouri – I, and I don't even know if he's going to be a senior, but people are talking about uh, Drew Locke, I believe. And, mm-hmm. and then also uh, somebody the other day <laughs> mentioned to me in passing, Shea Patterson or something like that. I don't even know if these guys are coming out. But uh, EA's, 20, EA's just getting over the 2018 draft. He doesn't even <laughs> want to look at Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty with next year's quarterback class. I mean, you mentioned Drew Locke. He's kind of in that Josh Allen mix where he's the physical traits are there. It's just... He needs to take a big step as a senior for Missouri uh, in 2018 for him to uh, put himself in the first round, which I think he's capable of doing. And then Shea Patterson making the move from Ole Miss to Michigan. He was a top recruit coming out of high school. Plenty of ability. We'll see what uh, Harbaugh can do when you know, he gets his mitts on him. A few other names to throw out there. Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald from Mississippi State. Clayton Thorson, Northwestern. We don't have, uh, I don't think, a Sam Darnold that's creating all, you know, all this buzz uh, a year out at the quarterback position, but there's plenty of names that have talent and that could emerge as uh, first-round quarterbacks over the next year. Good news, though, Jets fans. You don't have to worry about it. Sam Darnold, <laughs> Sam Darnold is a Jet. you got to follow this guy on Twitter. That's Dane Brugler, at DP Brugler. Dane, thanks a lot. We're going to look forward to your draft Bible next year, but that's a ways away. I know you don't want to think about it. We don't want to think <laughs> about it either. So enjoy your rest. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy it, guys. Thank you. Dame Brugler ranking the Jets number two overall in his draft books. Huh? Yeah, no grades from Dane, but just he, numerical 
Yeah, he looks at, grades, he, he says that these are the top five draft classes or draft classes he liked. Yep. And uh, he put the Jets right behind the Chicago Bears, who I liked what the Bears did, too. It's like the I love, season of Trubisky. I love Roquan Smith, though. I know you do. I really, Roquan Smith's your guy. I really think he's going to be stud in the National Football League. I yeah. like, uh, personally... The Jets will see the Bears this year. Yes, they will. Yes. I liked... Uh, well, the James Daniels pick in the second round also. The center out of Iowa, yep. right? Who, but then Anthony Miller, the receiver out of Memphis, Memphis yes. he broke his foot. You know, didn't I don't think he ran the 40 at the combine and then full health for his pro day. He goes in the third round. And not to harp on the Bears real quick, but when you pair him up with their new head coach, Nagy, and then you add Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, you never know. The, like I said, it's the yeah, offseason they'll, they'll, of Trubisky. They'll be facing New Jack City. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, oh, those are uh, yeah. The off season of Trubisky versus New Jack City. I believe it's uh, October. I think uh, in the Windy City. Okay, I think what fans have to do now in terms of the Jets is we got to look back to January and say, okay, where was this team in January? We knew they had a lot of cap space. We knew they had the number six overall selection in the draft. Other than that. We had to see how they went about their business. Now I think we can take a deep breath and say, okay, this is where they plug some holes in free agency. The headliner of the class, no doubt, was Tremaine Johnson. But Avery Williamson is a guy who Todd Bowles said is a tackling beast, so he's going to be an inside linebacker playing next to Darren Lee, and he gives you some youth. A little bit younger than Demario Davis. Demario Davis had a great year last year for the Jets. And then on the other side of the ball, I know people were asking me on Twitter, and Mike, oh, Ma- here it comes. Mike McKagan got a lot of questions about this. Two greens during a season ticket holder conference call. A lot of people were like, hey, you didn't address the offensive line. I don't know if that's particularly fair because the Jets did sign Spencer Long. Who figures uh, you can pencil him in probably as a starter? But you got Travis uh, Swanson, who the former Detroit Lion, he's got some position flexibility. He can play guard as well. Todd Bowles likes that both of these guys can play center and guard. I would think that Long's probably the favorite to be your starter there. And then the Jets added to their depth by re signing a number of guys, including Dakota Dozier. And Brian Winters just said the other day that he played. The 2017 season with a torn abdomen, and he wouldn't even that, he that wouldn't even wish crazy. that upon you, his worst enemy, Greens. He likes me, so uh, I just don't know. At least I think. I would think. <laughs> my point is that so you can't do everything in the draft. You really can't. It's not possible. You only had six picks. You did the best you could with them. I think a lot later in the draft, you go to best player available. Early in the draft. You want to mirror that, merge that, connect that as best as you can, the best player available, and potentially positioning. A couple things here for me is one is you, know, you can't fix everything in one off season. And something that I liked is that Mike McCagnan didn't spend to spend. He didn't say, okay, we have this money. You know, it's like when you get a paycheck, you're not just going to go blow it all away on, let's say, I'm just going to say a car or a house, whatever it is, right? It could be a suit. It could be a pack of gum, whatever it is. Whatever you want to blow your money on, you don't just spend to spend. That's how you end up in a hole. Well, and the Jets... And Mike McCagnon didn't do that. You're right. Selective spending. Jets are not in a hole. In fact, they have more money than anybody heading into the 2018 
offseason or 2019 offseason, whatever you want to call it, following the 2018 campaign, and they found potentially their franchise quarterback mm-hmm. while filling holes along the way and getting younger at a number of positions. On the offensive side of the ball, you think about guys like Isaiah Crowell, who's had a lot of production in the National Football League. You think about a guy like Terrell Pryor. That's someone that I'm very excited Inter- about personally. Interesting piece, Greens, because guy had a th- He's huge, okay? And he can fly. Yeah, I mean, you look at his height, weight on paper, and then you see him in person. Yeah. This guy is a monster. He's lanky. You said he can fly. And I think when you add him in the mix with Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, Quincy Inunua, I mean, this dude is... And correct me if I'm wrong, he's probably the biggest guy since Brandon Marshall was on this team a couple of years ago. I mean, he, he's of similar size and... Well, he's faster. Uh, yeah. And I, and I, I'm not saying he's Brandon Marshall. My point on I'm not that, saying either. He's just... He, he's yeah. an imposing figure yeah, and well, a potential number one receiver. Yeah. It, well, maybe. My point on him was... See, your point right there is that a potential... I'm not going to put a number on it, but the only number I'll throw at you is he was a 1,000-yard receiver in Cleveland in 2016. Yes, his numbers were down last year. He was also banged up. Let's see what he can do here paired with the Jets medical staff. Oh, speaking of the Jets medical staff, they kept Morris Claiborne healthy last year, and the Jets re-signed him as well. And Morris was, you want to talk about numbers, whatever, he'll be playing opposite Tremaine Johnson. I like those corners. And then you have your second-year safeties who really flashed in year one. And you know, in the other position where people are talking about, well, why haven't the Jets addressed tight end? Well, I think i got to go and say this right now. Let's see how it all plays out. But Eric Tomlinson, they like him as a blocker. We know that. They've got high hopes for Jordan Leggett as a receiver. We have not seen Jordan Leggett on the field since he played that preseason game in Detroit last year. And then Herndon, this guy from Miami, seems like a mix of the both. He's a guy who can block, and yep. he's also a guy who can give you something in the receiving game. So let's see if the depth chart looks like that, if it's those three guys. They also picked up some other guys along the way here in the offseason. Another Miami tight end as well, right? Clive Walford, yep. Bucky Hodges as well, yep. and Neil Sterling is here. Yeah, so I, I don't. I think it's way too early to say, well, I don't know what the Jets are doing here at tight end. I want to see what Jordan Leggett can do. I want to see what they all can do. I'm excited. You are clearly excited. Long story short, Jets Nation, you should be excited because the arrow is pointing up for the Jets in 2018. We'll see how it all plays out in just a few months. But again, this is the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen in studio. We had a record-breaking April in terms of numbers, I think. Well, no doubt. Let's keep the train going. The arrow is pointing up for the team. The arrow is pointing up for the pod. Nice job by Brugler. Brugler, phenomenal. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. And that puts a bow on the 2018 draft, right? Yes. All right. Until next time.